this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host g sampath this is part 2 of a deep dive podcast on the issues around the introduction of genetically modified mustard crop in india In part 1 of this podcast with Kavita Kuruganti convener of the Alliance for Sustainable and Holistic Agriculture we tried to present a historical overview of the efforts to get government approval for GM mustard and we also looked at the scientific basis for this approval in this episode we decode the socio economic ramifications of going ahead with commercial cultivation of GM mustard for instance given the certainty of GM crops contaminating non GM ones what happens to the right of farmers to not cultivate a gm crop can scientists take that call for them what would be the impact on food security farmer livelihoods and the multi million dollar worth of india's agri exports to gm hostile markets such as europe will we lose out once we embrace gm mustard we look at all these questions in the second part of this series kavita welcome back and thank you so much for joining us once again thank you Now critics of this approval have claimed that the genes uh, which you refer to behind this hybridization uh, genetic engineering process bar bar nase and bar star and you also said it belong to bayer uh, crop science now if that is the case then does the indian government have to pay royalties for uh, using what seems to be bayer's intellectual property so this is another curious story that has uh, happened the original technology bar bar nase and bar star multiple patents of it exist with bayer existed and some exist with bayer it would have emerged as some uh, to eventis later ultimately after mergers acquisitions takeovers various kinds of things it it does happen to be bayer's technology one doesn't know how dr pentel and his center laid uh, their hands on those uh, genes and uh, how they got the genetic material to begin with but having obtained it this center did tweak it a bit and tweak it the wrong way incidentally he put in something uh, that he claims as a spacer fra- fragment in one of the genetic sequences and in the bar genetic sequence which is meant for herbicide tolerance glufosinate tolerance he actually increased the protein expression tenfold by the tweaking that was done in the country and he got patents for it himself so when he did the r&d work it so happens that the global patents existed with bayer though bayer didn't apply for patents in india and this gentleman and his center did a few things and quickly patented it themselves let's remember that when uh, a public sector scientist or a center uh, has patented something it's not as though that's a static picture they can assign it tomorrow to someone else including the same uh monsanto or some other company so j- let's not rejoice that today's patents belong to uh, dr pentel in india 
and let me also give you the curious story of what has happened to a so called indigenously developed bt cotton in india those people those journalists who been following the gm story in india know this very well in 2008 or so something called bikaneri bt cotton got released by icar saying that look the other thing is a private sector gm cotton it's monsantos mahicos and so on this is uh, a public sector gm cotton and yes they release it commercial cultivation starts and then they discover that this gm cotton actually has monsantos event in it what do you mean by monsantos event i'm i'm sorry event is a technical term i think you need to yes so uh, it's a particular genetic sequence uh, it has a particular identification you know when someone saying that this is my event the way in which the genetic sequence is coded the uh, how the dna uh, is arranged it is uh, very very unique and identifiable yeah so all gm crops have their own genetic events which are distinct and if i can uh, digress a bit for just one minute people say that in nature genes also transfer from one species to the other it happens in nature all the time what are you worried about these kinds of events don't occur in nature they don't move from you know uh, they are not inserting themselves uh, in another alien organism as an event where you're forcing the gene that you want to express to express all the time at a particular level and quantity that doesn't happen in nature but in any case so monsanto's uh, event was discovered in icar's bikaneri bt cotton and at that time that event is not even patented in india and the government of india withdraws bikaneri bt cotton full of embarrassment and you have us and you know mncs actually writing to the government saying what about our ipr and they're not talking about ipr registration in india they're talking about a global ipr regime and they are showcasing how in this country not that i subscribe to it uh, but they are pointing out that you know india is compromising on things like this and the government of india withdraws that bikaneri bt cotton anyone who has witnessed that story there was a icar investigation committee called the sopori committee you can check uh, the sopori report which is still available on the icar website it shows that it does not matter that somebody has not patented their technology in india there's an unwritten etiquette in the world of ipr enforcement that public sector and private sector tries to toe because they have use for living within that framework otherwise tomorrow if they patent something somebody else will defy them they know that so in their own self interest they all follow this unwritten protocol which is uh, not strictly statute uh, based uh, in all cases but let me also tell you something else 
let's not talk only about bar barnes bar star patented uh, technology when dr paintel emerged in the shadows of bayer's uh, gm mustard and what happened to it in 2002 around that time and later on also glufosinate was a patented pesticide in india and the patent was held by bayer and we know what would have happened who would have sold glufosinate in large quantities and who would have made monies on gm mustard having been approved on the basis of the chemical market right no kavita i think you need to unpack a little bit here so how how is this connected with uh, with the gm uh, mustard gm mustard is a herbicide tolerant mustard what does it mean herbicide tolerant i mean i i have read somewhere that herbicide tolerance is different from herbicide resistance and so on let me explain it so the largest area of gm crops around the world are planted to what are called as herbicide tolerant crops where in countries with a uh, large land holdings per farmer you need uh, technologies that will not require manual labor to do some agricultural uh, tasks for you it's a convenience factor uh, let's say you want to remove weeds in your field so that they are not competing according to modern agricultural science with your main crop and therefore you employ poor rural women who come and work in your field to remove uh, those weeds so that your main crop can thrive that is how weeding is done in countries like india mostly whereas if i have uh, on an average 200 hectares and uh, there's no manual laborer living in my village as a us countryside uh, small town or village and i am a farmer herbicide tolerance has been brought in as a convenience trait in such situations where the genetic engineering of a particular plant has been done in a manner that when you sow a herbicide tolerant gm seed of a of any crop you can use a particular chemical that goes with it which kills the weeds but does not kill your main crop it is tolerant that crop is tolerant and incidentally when i'm saying tolerant it also implies that it is absorbing more residues of that chemical and staying alive and therefore the chemical residues of herbicide tolerant crop based foods are actually many fold higher than the non gm variety of the same crop so the non gm variety is, is not generally speaking herbicide tolerant it cannot it cannot withstand herbicides it cannot these broad spectrum herbicides as they are called will kill all things green in a field in an indiscriminate fashion if they are of the same sort of uh, plant whereas the herbicide tolerant uh, crops protect the main crop which has been genetically modified from the ill effects or the destruction of the deadly chemical whereas weeds get destroyed they get killed 
So the team which developed DMH11, I think they've uh, they've said contradictory things in one press conference. They said uh, it is herbicide tolerant, and then somebody else denied it, saying no, no, it's not herbicide tolerant. So what exactly is the fact about DMH11, and how does this tie in with the debate about? a uh, glufosinate and toxins in our food and so on so uh, they cannot deny that it is a herbicide tolerant crop because every plant you know in many parts of dmh11 is expressing bar gene and the very purpose of bar gene is herbicide tolerance what they are cleverly claiming knowing fully well that if they had applied for gm mustard as a herbicide tolerant crop which bayer did incidentally when when there was a lid shut on its application they decided to call it a hybrid technology but it happens to be a herbicide tolerant technology and they are very smartly saying that farmer should not use herbicide on gm mustard but in seed production we will use this herbicide glufosinate and that is precisely what i mean by saying that this is for the convenience of seed producing companies and not for farmers and gac in its minutes and its approval letter is actually saying that the seed production can use herbicide on gm mustard which essentially means that they are saying use it as a herbicide tolerant technology they carefully skirting around the word herbicide tolerant because the supreme court's technical expert committee and many other committees in india including the first one headed by dr swaminathan they said that ht crops are not suitable for india's conditions for our small land holdings for the fact that they will take away employment opportunities for poor rural women in the country so they are skirting around it and saying that in seed production use the herbicide and get special permission from the pesticide regulator glufosinate is not supposed to be used under another law which is the pesticides regulatory statute insecticides act on mustard it is allowed only in cotton and tea so you're saying uh, just to re- recap quickly uh, since you've made a lot of points uh, kavita so you're saying that uh, if if it is become public and common knowledge that dmh11 is indeed herbicide tolerant and, and going by what has sort of happened earlier in the supreme court hearings that is itself enough to bury dmh11 number 1 and number 2 you're saying that even for this even let alone growing the crops for consumption you know by by the public even for making enough number of seeds you can't do that without using a herbicide like glufosinate is it what you're saying these are precisely uh, what i'm saying both those things any right thinking decision maker should realize that we are talking about a herbicide tolerant crop cleverly being camouflaged as seed pro- hybrid uh, hybridization gm technology and they are actually criminalizing farmers after being irresponsible themselves in clearing gm mustard and writing on a piece of paper that no farmer is permitted to use herbicide on this gm mustard and if they do 
action will be taken on them under the insecticides act as well as the environment protection act this is what geac recorded on the 18th and 25th of october and they did so knowing fully well that today on lakhs of hectares illegal herbicide tolerant cotton is being grown by indian farmers where they are illegally using unapproved cotton seed as well as illegally selling and using unapproved glyphosate which is a similar deadly pest, uh, herbicide and gec is unable to do a single thing about lakhs of hectares being planted to this and farmers actually using a herbicide tolerant crop without permission and they are shamelessly saying that farmers will be punished under penal clauses if they use herbicide on gm mustard they are approving a herbicide tolerant crop and they are criminalizing farmers of this country that is the level of irresponsibility right we're running out of time kavita so two quick questions before we wind up uh, i wanted to wanted to talk a little bit briefly about uh, the impact of gm mustard on on a broader issue which doesn't concern uh, gm technology here that is food security uh, in particular so uh, let me talk about you know mustard self reliance once again because uh, food security if it means edible oil self reliance uh, in india to think that it will come through the mustard route i think is a non starter like i said you know coconut oil consumers being given mustard oil will not work nor can i send coconut oil to rajasthan or bengal and expect people there to uh, like it and start adopting it so i think we've gone wrong in assuming that uh, mustard yields uh, getting improved that too through a dangerous uh, gm route is the way to get food secure but uh, at a very broad level not talking about gm mustard or mustard alone there was a time when uh, mr sharad pawar was going on talking about food security and the usual malthusian arguments and advocating for gm tech at which point we looked at those countries which have adopted gm on a very very large and substantial scale whether it is canola whether it is maize whether it is soybean we looked at usa we looked at brazil we looked at paraguay we looked at several countries and we found and i will not present it you know unscientifically simplistically and so on but i'll just present this picture that despite adoption of gm tech these countries on their food security indices have deteriorated i won't say gm tech caused the deterioration i will say that gm tech did not solve their food security issues food security in india continues to be a distribution problem continues to be a access problem an entitlement problem it is not a production or productivity problem we have gone wrong conceptually at the policy level in assuming that food security is about rice and wheat that too in 
some small geographies of the country when we started green revolution we have decimated those pockets and we have decimated in the process the neglected areas also but even within that narrow concept there's nothing wrong with india's food security in fact in many many states of this country population growth rates are tapering off they are declining so who are you presenting these issues to in in the uh, case of edible oil consumption in india for instance there's such a variable picture between the really upper uh, deciles of uh, you know the upper classes of india who are over consuming edible oil and the lower uh, classes who really need some edible oil support we simply have to do uh, something about supplying uh, good healthy edible oil in uh, as part of our public distribution system as part of our food security basket to those households but to generally cater to ever increasing demand of edible oil in this country where we have overshot the you know recommended levels of per capita consumption speak to any nutritionist they'll tell you that this uh, country is crossed over uh, the brink uh, of being unhealthy in uh, edible oil consumption we don't have to do these kinds of wrong solutions without understanding the problem itself deeply enough right now uh, one final uh, question kavita so currently indian food exports uh, we know they enjoy the benefit of not having to carry gm labeling because we don't grow gm uh, food crops uh, when we export them to markets such as the european union which have a very strong uh, law on uh, labeling so would the introduction of gm food crops such as gm mustard affect india's uh, agri exports to europe and other markets in terms of uh, you know access and sales and so on so india has uh, a certain uh, uh, trade security advantage by uh, having been non gm on uh, various crops and uh, any introduction of gm mustard will have a threefold uh, impact on our export markets one in mustard crop itself two mustard oil cake is used quite extensively as a uh, allowed and approved and uh, useful soil amendment in organic farming and organic exports depend on certification based on what inputs are you using the minute and we won't be able to segregate gm mustard from non gm mustard so farmers will not know whether the oil seed cake that they are applying uh, for their soil health is uh, gm or not if this gets approved and gets cultivated so organic certification status of those farmers will get cancelled and our organic export market will be jeopardized and thirdly honey exports from india so we are talking about jeopardizing and this trojan horse of gm mustard which uh, is being brought in not as a ht crop but being hidden behind some other nomenclature and some other claims and so on this is a serious issue of livelihoods 
of farmers, of beekeepers, of organic farmers and so on and so forth. It is about consumers. Remember, mustard leaves are eaten directly in this country. We are not talking just about mustard seed. Sarsunda Saag uh, is so popular in this country. Uh, it's a matter of what will happen to our environment. It is also overall a story of how India's scientific establishment is allowing itself to compromise on science. And for a non-scientific person like me, who works on democratization of science and technology, it's a serious matter of concern that there is no integrity left anymore. Not with the public sector, not with the private sector. Right. You brought in a lot of uh, deeply troubling facts uh, around this entire debate. Uh, Kavita, you pointed out that it is actually herbicide tolerant and you've explained how uh, when we go for herbicide uh, tolerant uh, crop, the use, excessive use of herbicides would mean that the crop absorbs uh, those herbicides and uh, many of which, and I think you mentioned that glyphosinate, is that? Glyphosinate, yes. Glyphosinate, is it, uh, is it carcinogenic? Is it linked to any cancer-causing kind of? It has not been designated uh, as a, a carcinogen like glyphosate has been, but uh, its neurotoxicity, its reproductive health impacts and so on, there is a, a scientific uh, body of uh, published material that shows that glufosinate, in fact, in some ways is uh, deadlier than glyphosate. And that material is in the public domain. And uh, I think while we are discussing all of this, we should talk about poor rural women in India and what happens to their employment opportunities. Right. Uh, there is, of course, uh, the impact on livelihoods, which you mentioned, the impact on biosafety, impact on food safety for the end user or consumer. And of course, also what you mentioned about uh, India losing its trade advantage, uh, not just in BM, GM mustard, but also in oil cake and in honey, uh, which is again a huge uh, industry for us. And I hope, uh, let's hope that all of these uh, facts do get public airing as the debate progresses as the Supreme Court uh, hears this matter on November 10th so that decisions are taken which are in India's best interest. Thank you so much, Kavita, for joining us and for talking to us. Pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.